Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Last week, we talked about uh, forgiveness and how not only is the foundation of everything, it literally is so fundamental because how many times a day do you have opportunities to forgive? Today already, right? Right? Like every single day. And what the Bible tells us is when we don't forgive, what happens to us? We're not forgiven. We don't get to experience the forgiveness of God. And we find ourselves bound and even tormented, right? Anybody experience that in your life? Awesome. So much fun. And I, and I saw, I love it. So many of us, we were, we we're like, we're determined, you know what? And when we forgive, do we forgive for the sake of the person who did wrong to us? Who do we forgive for? ourselves, right? Because we're the ones who are chained. They don't even know, right? They might've gone on their merry way. Anybody here had somebody do something to you and they didn't even know they did it to you? Yeah. 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 Come on. And they're like, and you're like, I feel like I should let you know, right? You know, no, but in fact, that's always a thing we talked about is unforgiveness is drinking poison, thinking it will affect the other person, but it only kills me, right? And so, but here's the deal. Who here still, after all we said about forgiveness, found yourself struggling to forgive? Blink twice. Okay, good. Three of us. All right. The rest of you are released. Um, But no, and there's a reason why we find it hard to forgive. There are many of the reasons we talked about. One, we don't want to let them off the hook, do we? We want them to pay as if they could. Could they? Can they really pay for what they did? Can they really give you back what they took? No, right? Because even if they, like, say they stole a car, if they give it back to you, you don't get the time back. You don't get the, the fear you have. You don't get anything involved. You just get a bunch of metal back. And so the reality is we have to decide, do I want to forgive? But sometimes we still struggle to forgive. And I would submit, uh, well, I'll say this. What is, Jesus tells us this. In John 8, 34, he says, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. Hold that thought. Let me pair that with one other verse. Do you guys remember there was this point where a Pharisee was throwing a big dinner, the fancy dinner for Jesus. And while Jesus is there reclining at the table, this woman comes in and begins to weep and to coat his feet with, uh, wash her, his feet with her tears and wipe his feet with her hair. And, the, and the, the Pharisee is just out of his mind. He's like, this is a sinful woman. If he was really a prophet, he would know who this was. And Jesus turns to the Pharisee and says probably the scariest words you can ever hear from a prophetic person. Simon, could I tell you something? <laughs> yes, please, tell me. And he proceeds to tell him this. If I have it, where? there we go. He says this. 
says, I have something to tell you. He said, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed 500 denarii. It's like a year and a half's wages. And the other 50, which is still a sizable amount. It's about um, two months' wages. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? And Simon said, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. And he goes, look at her. She has been loving on me since I came here. But you, you not so much. And he says then, verse 47, he says, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. Not because of what she did, but because of her being forgiven, her love just flows out. And whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Do you know the problem with forgiveness? Forgiveness is something you can only give if you have received it. You cannot give what you do not have. In the same way, you cannot give love unless you've received love. We love because he first loved us. But we cannot give forgiveness if we haven't forgiven, been forgiven ourselves. Now, some of you are saying, well, I said yes to Jesus. I received his forgiveness. I'm forgiven and set free. Anybody here, you might struggle to feel forgiven. Now we're down to two people. Or maybe you struggle to believe you deserve to be forgiven. Let me ask you this. Why is it hard for us? So you might put it another way. You struggle to forgive yourself. Anybody have that struggle? We're on off. There's one on the top. Oh, sneaky. All right. There's where it went. All right. So who here you struggle to forgive yourself? I would submit that's really what that is, is saying, I'm refusing to receive Jesus's forgiveness because I hold myself to a higher standard than Jesus. <laughs> Got awkward, didn't it? Right? Jesus forgives me, but he's, he, he's a cheapskate. He'll give, he gives it away to everybody. But me, I got standards. <laughs> Gets awkward, doesn't it? So let me ask you a question. What makes it hard to either forgive ourselves or receive his forgiveness? Throw me something. Huh? Pride? Okay. I've heard of that. What is that? Okay, yeah, pride. Yeah? What else? What are some other reasons that make it hard to receive forgiveness? Okay, um... Can't, uh, afraid, afraid will, will, uh, backslide. Okay. Afraid to backslide. Okay. One second. Backslide. All right. What, what was this over here? Shame, shame, shame. Why, why does shame keep me from receiving forgiveness? Cause I don't want to admit it. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting how shame and pride go really nicely together. They're a great package deal. What else? False humility? False humility. Oh, yeah. Anybody done that where you, like, beat yourself privately? Don't blink. Okay. What was over here? Oh, come on. Come on. Uh, a repeat offender. Come on. 
I've run out of credits. Yeah, yeah, bankrupt. Bankrupt. I like that. Blew the credits. All right. What else? Too big. Oh, yeah, that's good. Too big. Uh huh. What else? Unworthy. I love this. So much fun. What else? Anything else? We're doing. This is pretty good and inclusive. You guys done better than I did. All right. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Is any of us worthy of forgiveness? Were we worthy of forgiveness when he found us? But isn't it amazing how once he has set us free from sin, we begin to walk in righteousness. We start to think that righteousness is our own. And when we fail to live up to the standard of who he's made us to be, what do we feel? Unworthy. Were we ever worthy? No. No. The problem was we were living in grace and producing what kind of actions? When you live in grace, you are, you walk in righteousness, you walk in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, right? Anybody had that like effortless on tap and you're like, oh my gosh, I want to live like this forever. And then it disappeared and you tried to work it up in your own strength. Two of us, two of us. I'll wait. No, no, really. This is really important because then suddenly, am I able to make those things happen in my own strength? Can I love you on my own, in my own strength? Not very well. Not very well. well. Thank you. You have great lack of faith in me. Thank you. That's true. No, it's true. You don't want me to love on my own, right? I'm not able. I'm not capable. And in fact, then suddenly I'm like, well, then I'm not worthy, but I was never supposed to be loving on my own in the first place. I'm not worthy. Let me ask you on the bankrupt thing. Blew the credits, right? Do you guys remember? The prodigal son went to the father, took everything the father had and blew it. And what did the father do when he came back? He gave him more. He gave him more. Well, and, and you know, I, I mean, I, I'd like to add an addendum to the older brother's story. As soon as he gets to the party and realizes what the father's done... What do you think the older brother would have said? Is that coming out of my part? Oh my gosh. Oh, he's going to blow it again. He's a bad credit. He's a flight risk. You know, he, he's a horrible. Have you seen his credit score, right? No. I mean, literally, but does God care? No, because God has how much resource? How much grace? Unending. Unending. How about, how about, okay, come on, blink at me if too big is, is one you struggle with. Anybody? You're like, whoo, well, that's just too far, right? Anybody? Why do we believe that to be true? Why do you think, we know it not to be true, true? The thief on the cross wasn't there because he stole a granny's purse. He had killed somebody And he was there hung to die as a repeat offender. 
And he was there dying as a spectacle. And, Je- and he simply tells the other guy, leave the man alone. He hasn't done nothing wrong. And Jesus goes, you're correct. You'll be with me today in paradise. That is not enough repentance. Nobody? I want to see some real repentance. Some tears or blood or something. There was blood. That, but that, he didn't do that on his own. <laughs> people were like, I got some people I'd like to help with that. I'll help you repent. No, no, no. The reality is repentance, even our repentance is not our work. We're not capable of repenting adequately. Do you know who said bear fruit in keeping with your repentance? John the Baptist, who was what? The last of the law. Bear fruit of your own ability in keeping with repentance is the law. Repentance, even that I can't do on my own. Jesus! Oh, is it too big? No. Do I deserve it? No. But does it matter? No. Why? Because his blood is enough. His blood is enough. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter. Okay, I'm, I'm going to get, I'm going to step on some toes right now. I can't be forgiven because I still live with the people I've hurt. Anybody know where I'm going with this? They need to see me suffer. Anybody wanted to offer yourself as a living sacrifice? for the pain that you've caused others? How much is enough? Wow, this is getting way awkward. How much is enough? Let me tell you this. If you're trying to pay off your debt, are you able to walk in grace? No. If you're trying to pay off your debt, you are in law, and you are not able to pay off your debt, and therefore you're walking in law, and you are not able to be who God made you to be. The best thing you can do for your family, your wife, your kids, whoever, whether you live with them or not, maybe they're long gone, is not continue to call, uh, not to continue to try to pay a price you could never pay, but rather receive his forgiveness that you can be set free from the bondage of sin and death, that you can finally live as he made you to be, and suddenly he can begin to flow through you to help you clean up the mess in the first place. But you can't do it when you're still trying to pay for it yourself. I can't tell you there have been times when I've been a complete idiot and I thought, you know what? I didn't even want Masha to forgive me. Why? Because I don't deserve it. And God's like, well, you're... when we don't forgive, where are we staring? Right there. Aren't we? When we do not receive his forgiveness, where is our focus? We are egotists. We are narcissists. We think we're doing it for other people, but it's all about us. But when I receive his grace, I can suddenly be empowered to let his love flow into the very people that I've hurt. When I quit trying to pay that price myself. 
So the sooner I come to my senses, repent, receive his forgiveness, no matter what I've done, the sooner God can begin to move to correct and bring justice to the situation. Justice is not paying for what I did, but bringing reconciliation, bringing healing, bringing restoration. But only he can do that in and through me. Some of us, I'll put another one up here. You guys didn't do this. I don't, who here, you have judged somebody for something horribly, and then you did it. How does that feel? Awesome. Awesome. Parents, (laughs) I will never, ever say this to my child that I just said. Anybody feel like you're like, right? No, no. If I, I don't want to let me off the hook because I don't want to let them off the hook. Well, considering the fact they don't know they're on the hook, (laughs) just saying, no, I want them to be held to a higher standard that I can't meet. See, I can live according to those standards in my own strength or I can be crushed where I'm crushed by it or I can live by the power of the Holy Spirit of love to live the life he always designed me to live. This whole pride and shame thing, right? James says this amazing thing in chapter five. He says, Confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. Who here, God leaned on your heart and said, you, you should share this with your brother, with your sister. You're like, I'm good. I'm good. I think we just keep that between you and me, Jesus. Right? And it festered in your heart and you did not believe, could not receive that forgiveness that God promised you. Why? Because you didn't believe God would forgive you. That's why he says over later on in John, he says, if you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. Did they do the forgiving? No, but we're simply, like it's, it's like, a, um, like, a, 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 like the uh, lottery winner. The guy who hands the check to the lottery winner doesn't have anything in his possession. He just hands the guy a check. We're simply handing the cash check of forgiveness that's already been paid for by Jesus. But they get to look in my eyes and I say, I know what you did. I know how bad it is. I've had people try to, no, you don't understand how bad it is. I'm going to explain to you in infinite detail what a horrible wretch of a human being I am. I'm like, it's going to take a lot to impress me. By the way, I've seen it all. <laughs> I mean, I was like, I've had some people, I'm like, you're not even trying. Like, like seriously, I have not seen anything that is not covered by the blood of the Lamb. I haven't seen a single thing. I've seen every wretched, sick, nasty, twisted thing you can imagine. And we get so impressed with sin, but it's because we're not impressed enough with the blood of Jesus. We're not impressed enough with the power of God to redeem a life ripped apart, destroyed, to redeem families, to redeem stories, to redeem us from ourselves. That's the reality. Going back to pride. Do you know why pride is such a big deal? Because I think I can do it on my own. How's that working for you, kiddo? Not so good, is it? 
No, we cannot do it on our own. We cannot be good on our own. We can't be who he called us to be on our own. We can't love on our own. We can't do anything apart from him. We can do what? Nothing. Do you know what that means in the Greek? Nothing. Nothing. Nada. Zilch. Nichevo. Guseg. Whatever language you want to speak, it means zilch. How much can you do? Well, I can make a lot of big messes by myself. Well, good for you. Go at it. Put that on your resume. I don't know. Pride. I am unable to do anything apart from you, God. I. That doesn't make you a loser. It makes you a winner. Losers are the ones that think they can. How hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven because they think they have something. They think they're winning and all they're doing is losing and they go away sad. But that brings us to our final one, my personal favorite, where I've done a lot of research for you guys. <laughs> right here. Anybody? Anybody? Was this your vote? Were you, we should have done a vote. What's your favorite? I want to put this one. Who here has felt that way? You're like, I can't ask forgiveness. Like you said, I've used up all the credits. I mean, I've been back here. This is like my 43rd time. I think it's 42 times is the max, right? What do you think the max number of times you can be forgiven for something is? 70 times 7. 70 times 7. Some of you are like, I did that before breakfast. I don't like to brag. I'm kind of good. By the way, that's a euphemism for unending because he knew those, those uh, fishermen couldn't do math. <laughs> and like, just trust me. He's like, I don't have that many fingers. <laughs> oh, Jesus like, oh, dear, dear Peter. And I love it. He says, how many times must I forgive my brother? Andrew, right there. Like, I'm sorry, no offense to the chosen. No. They're brothers. They're not brothers. Any brothers here, that's not how brothers roll. They're just way too cuddly. I'm like, hmm. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> I know Jesus affects them, but I want to see a little more growth in the process. Anyway, so here's the deal. Is how many times there's this innate belief in our hearts that I either I okay, let me let me let me break into this a little bit. Maybe we can break this open together. Well, okay, okay. If we believe that it hasn't, I can't, I can't be forgiven too many times. If I really believe, then why do I still either not want or not believe I can be forgiven? For if I'm a, if I'm a like a you know frequent flyer, we don't want to be. What, why why do we not want to be? We're, we're barely holding on. We kind of got it all worked out. We're, we're steady state. Yeah? We believe we have to be punished. Ooh, we have to be punished. Why do we believe we have to be punished? Because the punishment can help to Ooh, uh, leading to forgiveness. Okay. Let, let, okay, you, you, guys are, you guys obviously haven't done enough field research. I'm going to help you guys out. 
So this is what real people do. Like legit sinners. Don't nudge. So there's two routes on punishment. One is because I believe I deserve it. And that's because I don't understand what the blood has done. The other though is I believe punishment will produce fear that will keep me from sin. Who are my people? If I pay a big enough price, then I won't do it again. Has it worked? No? No. 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 That's why it says love casts out all. Because fear has to do with punishment. Anybody, you're like, that terrifies me. Because I'm just going to be real. I remember the moment when I realized this is what Jesus was offering, and I ran screaming away. No lie. You know why I ran screaming away? Because I was terrified what I would do with freedom. I was terrified that if I was let off the leash, who here? You know what dogs be barking in the, in the, in the kennel, right? Like you're, like, you're like, I cannot be allowed off the leash. You don't understand what I'm capable of. I've got skills that are wanted in certain elements of society. I could do this, right? No, I, if I don't, because I believe that only fear of being caught, fear of you knowing what I did, fear of suffering some punishment was the only thing that kept me from doing bad things. Just raise a hand if that makes sense to you. Good, I'm not alone. Okay. It doesn't, it doesn't, it just slows the slide into hell. At least on the outside, because inside it's just a boiling pot of hell. It doesn't work. That's why Jesus came, because no amount of punishment, no amount of fear is able to keep you from sin. Your freedom. So what the enemy does is he tries to get us to fear our own freedom. You know why the enemy wants us to fear our freedom? He doesn't want us to be free because our freedom is what we use to destroy all the works of the enemy. Because it's our freedom through which we can partner with God to bring heaven to earth. That's why the enemy wants us enslaved. Whether if he can't enslave us to addiction, he enslaves us to fear of addiction. If he can't enslave us to, um, to the thing itself, he will enslave us to the religious mindset that I can't be trusted and I must live in a smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller place. I can't be trusted. Wrong. In of yourself, probably. But with him. We were meant to live not apart from God, but in him we live and move and have our being. All right. Now this is where I want to go. All right, you guys ready? Hebrews 10. Okay, I saw some flinches. Good. Hebrews chapter 10, because I need to dethrone something right now. Because this verse has been used, that we're about to get to, has been used to cause more torment than any other. You guys ready? All right, go to chapter 10, Hebrews. I know, I I don't want, yeah, anyway, have Bibles. They're good. Verse 19, therefore, brothers and sisters. Oh, wait, wait, wait. What does therefore mean? Something Something came before it. So what we're hearing should come from what's before. Let's flip up to, let's go for verse 14. 
For by one sacrifice, he, Jesus, has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Grab on to that. By his sacrifice, Jesus dying on the cross, he made perfect forever who? We who are being made holy. We have been made perfect, brought into him, and yet he is making us holy. Anybody know you're in a process? You haven't arrived yet? You haven't yet become who you will be? When Jesus looks at you, he goes, you, my beloved child. And you're like, I don't think, wow. The Holy Spirit also testifies about this. Why was, because he took the punishment for our sin. How much? All of it. What about the sins you've committed in the future? Did Jesus die for those? Yes. Why? Because all of your sins you've committed in your life are in the future from the cross anyway. Right? All the sins. The Holy Spirit also testifies about us in this. And first he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their heart and I will write them on their mind. That's what the fruit of the Spirit is coming out of us. Righteousness, holy living, peace, hope, joy coming out of us. And then he says, and their sins and lawless acts, I will remember no more. How many of their sins? All. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Anybody here tried to do some sacrifices to make God happy? God, I'm so sorry. I'll never do it again. And then you like do some bargaining. Okay, good. We're, we're getting all of us eventually. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have this confidence to enter this most holy place by the blood of the Lamb, by a new and living way opened us for us through the curtain that is his body, coming like you're walking through the temple into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was, you can walk straight in with no fear. Why? Because his love, he is for you. He is not ticked off at you. He is not mad. He loves you fully. And since we have great priest over the house of God, that's Jesus, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. So this idea, the image is, right? Do you guys remember the temple, temple worship? You would walk in and you would come into the outer court and they would have a, they would have a, um, a place where they did sacrifices and they would sprinkle blood. And that was to show you this animal died in your place, which was really a sign of Jesus has died for your place. He, he sprinkles our conscience. So we can come in with sincerity. What's sincerity? It's honesty. I'm not playing games, God. This is who I am. This is what I've done. This is what's happened. Not in my whole life this week. Do you understand? Anybody have some things this week you need forgiveness for? Anybody? Okay, I got two. I three, four, going twice. All right, good. Thank goodness. I'm like, whoa. Pray for me. All right. He says, we come with a sincere heart. That means honest that I have not been who you said I am. I have not lived according to that. It does, it, whether it's the big bad ones or the little ones, whatever, I haven't. I haven't been who you say I am. I haven't walked in the fullness of the Spirit. I haven't walked in the fullness of the fruit of the Spirit. And as I walk in with that sincere heart, he sprinkles me with his blood and cleanses my conscience. Why? I, John said in John 1, he said, if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to do what? Forgive our sins 
and do what? Cleanse us of all unrighteousness. As I come into his presence, that's one of the things we do in worship even, is that sense of his presence reveals everything that's not of him so that I can let him sprinkle me with the blood of the lamb. Oh God, show me who you say I am. None of this stuff is you. Wash it clean from me. Sprinkled, cleanse, cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. What does Paul call the pure water? The water of the word. Washing with the water of the word. Why we need to be in this? Because our minds are being renewed. As we read the word, as we let him speak over us, he begins to show us, oh my gosh, this is the normal life. Not the life I've been living. The normal life is this life of joy and peace and hope versus this life of anxiety and terror. Oh my goodness, yes. And let us, he said, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Why do we have to hold unswervingly? Because we swerve. (laughs) What I mean by that is, We hold unswervingly. We don't let go because things happen in our life, things we do that are not who he says we are. We sin, we fail, we fall, we stumble, we fall short of the glory. And in that moment, the enemy goes, ha ha, it was never real anyway. You're not really forgiven. You're not really set free. You're not really cleansed. You're not really who he says you are. You are what your action says you are. Says, hold unswervingly because he has promised his faithful. Why is it important he's faithful? He doesn't change. He doesn't give up. He's always for us. Love never fails. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Why is that important? Because what is the first thing we do when we sin? Isolate, separate, and hide. Even if we're physically present, what happens? Right? No, we have to keep coming out to relationship. You don't come out to church when you clean. You come out when you dirty. You don't wait till you're clean to come. You come to be cleansed. You come for you to look me in the eye. That's why James said, confess your sins one to another. Why? I need you to see me as I am. And you go, I'm not impressed with your sin. Because I know who God says you are. I know who you are. So let us not give up and not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing since COVID-19. Oh, that's not in your text? No. In every generation, in every season, there's a reason not to gather. And most of it has to do with my navel. I need you, especially when I don't want you. Especially when I want to hide, I need you. I need this muscle of coming together regularly with people who know me, see me, call me out on my stuff and say, I love you too much to leave you where you are. You know, you can bathe, you know, in the era of Zoom, you didn't have to bathe. But when you came to church, suddenly you discovered hygiene again. Put that out there. But encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching, the the day of his coming. If we deliberately, this is the verse I'm coming to, guys. I'm about to set you guys free, so stay with me. If we deliberately keep on sinning, my repeat offenders, this is for you. Not for me, I mean for you. If we deliberately keep on sinning, and what does deliberate mean, by the way? 
on purpose. Who here, you're like, well, if I did it by accident. Last <laughs> I, I walked into the liquor store and bought myself three-fifths of liquor, accidentally. <laughs> With somebody else's credit card. <laughs> That's skill. If I could be that accidental, that'd be amazing. We deliberate, listen, what kind of sin, do you know in the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus, I remember the young man, I'm reading through it, and all of a sudden I realized I couldn't find every sin that was forgiven by the blood of the lamb was for accidental sin. I was like, that's not my problem. I don't have enough time to accidentally sin. I'm too busy sinning on purpose. And so I went to my dad, you know, who's a Bible scholar, and I said, I, I, where's the, 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 where's the, Where's the sacrifice for intentional sin? He said, I know. Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> there isn't one. The whole Hebrew system didn't work from day one for the one thing they needed. He's like, well, if you're really pure in heart and you start from zero and you never leave your house and never do anything and just don't breathe, you might make it. No, that is why Jesus came, because there was never an answer for intentional sin. But if we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, this is where it gets sticky. No sacrifice for sins is left. I knew it. I knew it. I used it all up. So here's my question. When did you use it all up? Okay, who here made it three days after you gave your life to Jesus without intentional sin? Two days? One day? Like, seriously, like you, like, like maybe you made a couple days. The reality is, according to this, the way people read this, you were done then. So grab, get some hope for me, okay? So one of the things you got to realize is the Bible, the New Testament particularly, was always meant to be read aloud with emphasis on the right syllable. You guys remember over in, in 1 Corinthians when Paul said women should be silent in church? There's a little mark in there that is a sign for a reader to recognize, do a funny voice now. Because these are the questions he had been sent from Corinth he said he was addressing. The question was, shouldn't women be silent in church? And when you read his description of his response, you go, oh, he's, he's going, you dingbats. And then he talks about women prophesying. So you're like, right? Like, it's important to understand it was being read. So it wasn't, it was being, he was sitting there going, he said, listen, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sin is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of a raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Who's terrified? Right? Good. Okay, so here's the deal. Let me ask you this. <clears throat> Just imagine, if you will, you're walking in joy and grace, peace, life. Everything's wonderful. You feel his love. You feel his pleasure. You know you don't deserve any of it, but it's wonderful, right? And then you go and are stupid. Just imagine. Just, not you, but other people. You're stupid. What do you immediately begin to experience in your mind and heart? Condemnation? What else? What other things do you start to experience? Fear? 
Huh? Shame. Embarrassment? What else? I give up. Give up hopeless. Okay? Regret? You guys haven't done this very much. Annoyance? Annoyance. Yeah, uh, false hope. (laughs) Disappointment. Okay, we'll just stop there. You guys remember our... uh, We talked about this, but there's two kingdoms, right? There's a kingdom of darkness. What kingdom is all of this stuff? Darkness. Darkness. What's the stuff over here in the kingdom of light? Love, joy, peace. Now, here's the question. The minute you sin, God doesn't have to send you anywhere. You don't set yourself. True? God's not punishing us. We're simply saying, God, I'm going to take it on my own. It's imagine if, you know, you know, anybody been outside in the last little bit? It's somewhere close to the level of, of hell, right? In terms of heat, right? Like, imagine this. Donnie's like, I don't want to be in this house anymore. I'm done with this. I'm, gonna, I'm going outside on my own. What will she immediately do? She will, she will leave the kingdom of air conditioning and step into the kingdom of gross darkness and heat, right? I don't have to explain anything. She stepped out of the grace, out of our home, and into that. And God is a loving father. He'll let us choose. He won't hold us against our will. So when we are doing this, what he's saying is when we deliberately sin, we are acting as if there is no sacrifice left. And so we go back to living in a place where there's no sense of, the, of what God's paid for. What has Jesus paid to deliver me from? All of that. But I get to experience it. Anybody have an experience of that? No? Okay. Especially through unforgiveness, right? That's why we step out of this place into here. And it says, but only a fearful expectation of judgment. Why? Because I've moved out of grace into law where there is judgment. In fact, then the devil tricks me and tries to get me to partner with punishment and judgment to try as a means to keep me from sinning more. But how did I get there in the first place is I stepped out of grace into law. And anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of Jesus. Okay. Let's just leave there. I, we can go on and on and on. But let me just say this. What he's simply describing, he's not saying that there is no punishment for sin left. Why? How many of your sins did he die for? Did he know that you would sin after you came to him? Yes. Did he still choose to die for those sins? Yes. But when I attempt to, uh, to, to effect my own salvation, my own deliverance from sin then I become its slave again. I feel like a very important caveat to all of that, just to balance it out. Please balance. That we are meant to live here. That this is not our normal. 
that this, that we were professional sinners. This came easy without all of this package. But now we're professional saints. We have been bought by a price to live here. This is our natural state. This is not. Come on. This is not. This is going to hurt. Like, that's the reality. Once you, once you step out of this, once you choose to shut down love, once you choose to not forgive, once you choose to hold back your heart, once we choose to do any of that stuff, it's the darkness, right? I mean, we all know it's the turmoil. It's everything swirling inside of us. It's the voices. It's, it's horrible, right? So this is not norm. That's why coming in and confessing and being real and saying, Jesus, like, this is what's really going on in my heart. Help me, save me, forgive me, right? Like, I need you, Jesus. I need a different narrative. I need to let go of whatever I'm holding on to, whatever I'm self-protecting with. Like, Jesus has been so hardcore after me. He's been saying just, like, everything, everything you are, everything you do, Masha, I'm after your heart. Like, every, I'm after your heart. Like, because we, a lot of times, like, I don't think, like, most of us are not sinning in a way that we are just, you know, I don't know, going out, getting drunk or whatever, getting into trouble, like, in this space. I mean, some of us might be, but not, not majority, I would say. But a lot of us are closing off our hearts and are sitting in unforgiveness and self-protection. Can, I, can we be real, right? Or like, fear. let's get real. Fear, anxiety, things spinning in our, out of control in our heads, right? But that's not our portion. And that's what the enemy does is when I come over to this side, he goes, welcome back, you never left. Welcome back, this is who you are. You, I tell you who you are based on what you do. But God says, I tell you, what you who you are by, based on what I did and who I say you are. And that's the question. Is, is Many of us, we, are, we have, um, how do I want to say this? We are, this is familiar, so we think it's us. But it's not. And maybe we have people around us who are like, yeah, that's who you are. No, you need some people who know who you are in Christ, who are saying, I know who you are. I know who you are. I'm calling you out. Because this, like I said, once you experience the forgiveness of God, you actually are horrible sinners. Anybody know what I mean? What does it mean to be a horrible sinner? Like, like you used to be a good sinner. Like you were good at it. But once you discover the freedom and the grace of God, you experience real love, real joy, real peace. Fake joy and peace don't cut it. And what used to really get you going just makes you grumpy. I always say you can spot a person who's encountered the love of Jesus in any bar. Because they're the grumpiest, saddest drunk. All the other drunks are having a good time. They're like, Ugh. you're like, dude, you're ruining everybody else's buzz. Like, come on. No, you are, sin no longer works for you because you've tasted the reality of who he says you are. So here's my question. What should keep us from receiving the fullness of his forgiveness for us? Nothing. Nothing is worth it. No amount 
of what they did, no amount of, of, no amount of all those mechanisms are going to keep me from sin anyway. Could it be that he is good enough to deliver you single-handedly by his own power and might and his love and his blood and his power to both purify you, to heal you, to make you holy and to stand with you when you fall to lift you back up again. That is the gospel. That is who he is. And I want to say right now is you and I will never have forgiveness to give to others when we refuse to receive it for ourselves. So everyone ready to forgive yourself? You ready to go with me? Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's close our eyes. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, show me what am I holding myself accountable for and not letting go, not letting you pour your forgiveness, your love. Show me things that I'm holding myself and punishing myself for. And it can look like self-sabotage. You just... um, you almost move into opportunity and then you like freeze or just whatever the, the mechanism is. Um, it, can, it can look like many different ways how we punish ourselves. Jesus, I just ask you right now, Holy Spirit, just uh, lead us into all truth. Show us the reality of what we are doing, of how we are functioning, of how we are, not, of how we are blocking the flow of your grace, of your forgiveness, of how we are not receiving it. Jesus, help us to be like super real with you, with you right now. Help us show up. So I'm just gonna name some things, and if it if it strikes you, you can just um, you can just jump on on my train of what I'm saying, or you can just um, go your own way with Jesus, what He's showing you. So Jesus, I forgive and release myself. Jesus, I forgive and release myself. I give myself a gift that I do not deserve. I give myself a gift that I do not deserve. I forgive myself. I forgive myself. Hmm. I feel like as parents, um, just pa- as parents, we just need to forgive ourselves. Um, ah, just ah, Jesus, Jesus, just as a mom, I forgive myself, just for whatever I'm holding myself. Judging myself and not letting go. Jesus, I forgive myself for... I forgive myself for... For being passive and for not going for everything you have called me into. I receive your forgiveness, Jesus, for um, not being obedient, for not stepping into what you have called me into. I feel like that's a big one for many of us. Uh, for just for just waiting for letting time get away, I forgive myself for self sabotage. I receive your forgiveness. And addiction. I forgive myself for uh, repeated patterns in my life. I receive myself for I forgive myself for um, letting other things speak louder. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your forgiveness for the fear of man. Um, I receive your forgiveness for my pride. I receive your forgiveness for um, rejecting myself. 
Ah, I receive your forgiveness for believing I had a higher standard than you do. And Jesus, I want the life that you have for me. What do you say over me? Who do you say that I am? Jesus, if I let go of this, I can't, I, what is to keep me from becoming my worst self? What is to keep me from sinning? Jesus, show me. Reveal it. Give me the grace to trust you. I feel like he is, um, ex- there's an exchange possible right now for the false fear, for the, for the fear of punishment, um, to move into the fear of God, of fear of hurting his heart, of fear of hurting the connection. I feel like there's that exchange possible right now to just let go. Jesus, I just repent for living motivated by fear of punishment, and I step into the fear of the Lord that, is, that yes, it just empowers me, that frees me. Just this, this beautiful relationship, that this beautiful connection that I live so carefully, like I have a dove on my shoulder. That I have a dove, that your Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you're on my shoulder, and I just move carefully. I just move in mind um, with you, that you are always with me. You're always watching. You're always in the midst of everything I'm doing, in the midst of everything I'm saying. That you are never separate from me. That you're always there. That you're always there to empower me to love. That you're always there to empower me to connect. That you're always there to empower me to sacrifice, to lay down my life, to not lash out in anger or self-protection or control. Thank you, Jesus, that you are just shifting my perspective, that you are shifting my perspective, that the flow of love is there. I feel like for so many, just as we just release ourselves, ourselves, just the flow of love, the flow of his forgiveness is just there. He's just so desperately in love with you. He's so desperately in love with you. He's just rejoicing over you. He has the biggest smile on his face over you. I just feel like he's ripping off the religious God that is scowling at you, that is always disappointed, that is just always not, you're just never enough for that God. And his face is just shining over you. His face is shining over you. He has the biggest, cheesiest most beautiful smile over you because you are his beloved son and daughter. You are his beloved son and daughter. You are his beloved son and daughter. He's breaking off all, whew, all falsehood just right now in Jesus' name. Yeah. You don't have to have the right motives to return. The prodigal son didn't. But the father welcomes you. He clothes you in his righteousness. He welcomes you back into the family fullness of life if we could have the worship teams come up if right now this is the cry of your heart to receive the gift of his forgiveness i would just encourage you just to make an act just like the the prodigal son to walk to the front and just worship here at the front with us yes as we say yes lord i need your forgiveness i'm done doing it on my own i receive your life in place of my own this is a symbolic altar, but it's, it's, there is power there. As we just come and lay down everything we've been carrying on our, ourselves, as we just repent from our hearts and just receive His forgiveness. Let's all stand. For more information, go to AriseLife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.